All right, that was a good good intro for our uh, guest tonight. Uh, tonight we um, let's see, we got Will here. Hey, Will, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good to be here. All right, and Shane, how are you doing? I'm doing good. A little sore after uh, February 14th, but doing good. <laughs> nice. Uh, how's the weather in Florida? I did yard work. What do you guys think? That's what we were saying. I knew you were rocking. Oh, okay. Weather, weather's fine. Mosquitoes are fine in the back door that I have open. It's awesome. All right. Well, today, tonight, uh, we have Joel Wittenbach, and Joel is a general aviation pilot. Uh, he is a true Wisconsin farmer that raises pigs and corn to feed the pigs. Um. And uh, we just wanted to get him on the show and talk about aviation and everything else that he does, because he has quite the list. So, Joel, tell us about yourself, who you are, where you live, family, everything. Sure. Oh, I'll try to, keep, try to get it all in there, I guess. Yeah. Right. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's been fun to watch, watch what you guys do here. And uh, yeah, Joel Wittenbach. I'm in uh, Sauk City, Wisconsin. That's kind of northwest of Madison, Wisconsin, and kind of between there and Wisconsin Dells. Wisconsin Dells is kind of a touristy area there. So 
that's where we're at, right along the Wisconsin River. Uh, we farm, uh, I farm, our main business is pigs um, in that business with my dad and my sister. And then um, we do that, it was our full-time gig. And then we have corn that we raise to feed the pigs. So I'm married, got a wife, her name's Sherry, two little girls, Eileen, oh, Eileen and Lily. And uh, so, yeah, we just have a lot of fun. Um, I've got a number of uh, grass strips here at my farm. I don't really call them grass strips. I call them places to land because people have a, have a tendency when you say a grass strip, they're expecting to see 2,000 feet, 150 feet wide uh, groomed grass. And I just can kind of level out a spot I think I can land at and call it a place to land. So, right. um, yeah, I guess going, going back, tell you about myself. Um, I'm an aviation enthusiast. I love aviation, every aspect of it, and always have. Um, going back as a small child, always looking up in the sky and looking at every airplane and trying to figure them out. And I remember going in, we go into this dime store. You know, dime stores don't re aren't really around anymore. Right. But I'm old enough. I'm, I'm 45. And we went in this dime store, and they had the row of toys, right, and just these cool old toys. And they had this, they had these plastic airplanes in there that were, I don't know, a foot wide, something like that. And the tops were cut open like a T top, you know? And I kept telling my mom, see, these are for going upside down because you can see the ground when you're upside down. <laughs> but it was just this love. I'd always go down that aisle and look for airplanes. And um, I was pretty young. There was a, you know, there, they had an event there at the airport, my local airport. And my mom took me up there and, and paid for a ride, which is pretty special. We didn't, we didn't have a lot of money. You know, you, you grow up on a farm, you're, you're pretty frugal. You know, there's not a lot of uh, really rich farmers out there. We do what we do because we love it. And we, they, they, my mom and dad never really um, bought us anything cool, but I mean, we didn't know any different, but but they bought me an airplane ride up there. And to this day, I still remember that airplane ride. And I was probably probably eight years old when that all happened. And just from then on, I was hooked in aviation. And uh, I remember seeing a, a V-tail Bonanza flyover. And I just couldn't figure out, man, why would he have like two tail feathers at a V? How does that work? You know, so just every aspect like that. Um, just kind of kept me driven. And so, you know, life happens, you kind of go on, but it's always there. And um, I was looking at, I was looking at building a house. Oh, I'm not going to get into that, but I was looking at building a house and I thought, you know what, if I build a house, I'm probably not going to have money to go get a pilot's license. So I better get that done. So, so in, I think in 2005, I went out and got my pilot's license. Um, so I'm just a private pilot and, um, it took me a little while to get through that. I, um, just with the work and stuff, I kind of started it, um, after Christmas one year, uh, went through most of the training and then dropped it and then picked it up that following winter. And, uh, so I actually got my pilot's license in 06. And then from there, I, I was just renting airplanes and airplanes gets difficult because you'll call up and 
one might be there, one might not be, and and everything. So then I kind of went away from flying for quite a few years. And then um, a friend of mine bought an ultralight, and he's like, Joel, you got to try this. And I'm like, no way. There's like fabric on that thing that keeps that keeps you in the air, you know. I'm not gonna fly something like that. It looks like a death trap. <laughs> like, just fly it. And it was uh almost nine years, nine years later in 17. And um yeah, from my lap from from flying, I sat nine years and we went out and I took it for a flight and just kind of fell in love with flying all over again because it was a total different aspect, right? You know, you guys probably do tandem flights and I'm sure you've given pilots or even airline pilots a ride. It's like they experience flying for the first time. And I got flying. It's like, this is, this is crazy, you know, because you're out, you're out, you're out in the middle, you know, you're out in the air, right? It's like flying a trike. And I ended up flying ultralights and I did that must be almost five years had a, had a two place bunch of rides. I put, you know, uh, 300 hours on, you know, during that time frame. And then um, my family was getting bigger. So I wanted to move up into something where I could haul my family around. So I ended up buying that Cessna 172 that you saw in the, the beginning video there. And uh, yeah, just kind of been having a ton of fun with that. I've had that for um, two years now. And uh, just been flying it, side country flying. You know, it's kind of a that's kind of a different term. You hear a backcountry flying, you know, out yep. in the mountains. Um, but around here, we don't have mountains, right, Eric? You know, right. we got hills. And so, um, <laughs> one of the guys here locally, uh, Ross Wilkie, come up with this. They were they were doing a doing a special video and on the for with uh, AOPA. And they come up with this saying of side country. And it's really kind of a, that's the type of flying we're doing because, you know, the side country flying might be right next to town or four lane highway might be tucked into a bunch of trees or along a river. You just don't know, but it's not necessarily back country. So it's just a side country flying. So that's what I've been doing. Just flying off of grass. Um, I don't, I don't fly anywhere. I'm just a recreational flying and, uh, that's kind of the background of what I've been doing, just hopscotching around the uh, southern Wisconsin and hitting every little grass strip that we have permission to land on, you know. So, yeah. I noticed, I noticed on your videos that it seems like every other day you put out a video of flying. Yeah. Now, are you, are you flying that much or? No, I just put a whole bunch of videos at one day and then I just string them out so it looks like I live the glory life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you only see the glory though, right? You know, that's the thing with social media. Nobody, we don't get to see everybody's garbage they got to put up with every day. We just post the highlights of every, of, of the day. Well, yeah, it sounds better. Yeah. Right. Like who wants to see, you know, working in a manure pit with pigs, you know, Perfect. I mean, it's not glorious work. There's nothing cool about that. But that's unfortunately that's the type of work I got to do. But I don't post that stuff, you know. Maybe, but, maybe uh, you should. If you post that, then people will say what you got to do to get to that level. Yeah, I I do fly a lot. Um, it gets difficult in the in the springtime when we're planting 
and then same again in the fall when we're harvesting the corn. Uh, it gets really busy. Um, I make time in the middle of summer and do quite a bit. Uh, last summer, last summer I had a long stint. I was able to fly 35 days straight of just different different hours. Some some might have been only 20, 30 minute flights, and other times I can get up for an hour at a time. But just trying to get out every day and just go out and explore things and just kind of stay on top of the game, I guess, a little bit. So, so where was the furthest you have flown in, in your plane? Um, not very, not very far. Um, probably up to Cornucopia, which is up on, uh, um, Lake Superior. That's only, uh, you know, that's only a couple hundred miles away. Okay. That's that right now. That's the furthest that I've been out. Okay. Now, is this your only, is it the plane that you fly now that was in the picture? Is that the only plane you've ever owned? Well, yes, airplane. I've had, I've had a couple ultralights three or four okay. ultralights we had. Um, so, but, but uh, a certified airplane or a larger airplane. Yeah. That's the only one I had, you know, some of those, uh, one of the ultralights I had, if you, if you go back on uh, the YouTube channel, uh, you can search my name, Joel Wittenbach, and you can see my YouTube channel there. If you go back uh, a, a few years, you can see there's quite a few ultralight videos on there. Um, that was a two place nap. So that would, was a, actually a light sport, you know, experimental light sport certified airplane or not certified, but registered as a light sport experimental. Okay. But I considered it an ultralight. It's not an ultralight, right? The the part 103 ultralight, but right. Yeah. But it was nice because you could, you know, you're, you're able to get annual inspections done and felt a little more comfortable giving rides and, and all that. So Bill's there. He's, he's wondering what year that is. So, that's a, it's a Cessna came out. Uh, it's a, it's a 172. The model is a P172D and it's kind of a goofy airplane because uh, those early, those early Cessnas, they came out, they had the 172 and then the 182 and Cessna came out with a 175 to kind of fit in between those two airplanes. And they had a, they had a geared engine, a 300 cubic inch engine in it and they geared it they turned the rpms up so then they had to gear the the propeller down so they came with that but it was kind of an oddball deal and you had to run run the engine really hard on this particular engine it, you couldn't work it you had to kind of keep the thing wound out or else it would build excessive heat and have engine issues well they had that problem with the 175s and they couldn't sell any and so they came out with this model that I have in 1963 and they called it the Powermatic and they put a constant speed propeller on it and um, it didn't go real well. You know, it, it was the last year of the geared engines. Uh, that model that I have, there was only 68 of those built um, for the U.S. and then there was four of them built and sent to France. So there was 72 total built, but there's only... Oh, there's, I can only see about 27 on the registry right now. So they're, it's kind of a rare bird, but what makes, you know, I don't know if anybody knows much about the, the side country flying in these short strips. It's all about trying to get the airplane airborne because it's such a short strip. Uh, some of these strips are only 500 feet long. You know, Eric, you've flown off a of shorty there. That's, yeah. that's 550 feet long and trying to get a, you know, 
my airplane weighs 1,600 pounds empty. And so you throw gas and people in there and it starts waiting up trying to get that off. But the longer the prop, it's got a constant speed. So that, that propeller, um, you know, turns, de deflects. So it can start out really flat and it's a long prop. It gets a pretty good bite. And that's what kind of creates your power to get off the ground where a fixed pitch, you know, you're kind of either standard as a, you know, it's going to be either a climb prop or a cruise prop. And when you're trying to get in and out of short, short areas, that's where the constant speed um, comes in nice because you can get out of short areas and then you've got a better cruise on the top end. Now, when we were down there at your field and you had, I think, three other planes come in and they were getting ready to go over to um, the Air Venture over in Oshkosh to do those stall Yes. Tell us about that and what they were doing. And tell us about that plane that was like all carbon fiber. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's uh, so, you know, up at Oshkosh Air Venture, they have stole demonstrations over in the ultralight area or the fun fly zone. And uh, there's quite a few guys that, you know, they kind of come out from all over the United States that get asked. So that's an invitation. Uh, only up there at Air Venture. So uh, a group of those guys will fly into um, into Middleton, Wisconsin. You know, prior to that week, um, there's a Capital Flight down there puts on a a big uh, shindig, I guess you could say, on the Friday night. So a lot of those guys show up down there, and uh, so on Saturday, a lot of times they're just out looking for places to go fly. So they come out, there's um, three or four of them that came out and they kind of set up cones to try to do, it's it's a stole event, short takeoff and landing. So they kind of come out and uh, kind of practice their stuff. Some of those guys are coming out of the mountains. So they're, they're, they're like, wow, we're, we're about 800 feet, 800 feet above sea level here. So if you're used to five or 6,000 feet, you know, they, they kind of grin pretty big when they get a fly in that type of scenario. So yeah, they just kind of come out and uh, play around a little bit, but some of these airplanes are pretty incredible on on how quick they can get off. Sorry, I got to notifi get notifications there, and that's what that bad ding is. Hmm. So. Deweese Milstead and Nick Griffith want to know about your ultralight. Do you, do you still have any ultralights? And if so, what was your favorite, or what is your favorite? Um, There... I don't have any, the short answer, I don't have any ultralights anymore. I sold those when I, when I got the airplane. Um, but we were flying the, the T-Birds um, that um, mine was called a golden circle T-Bird. It's an older, it, they've been around since the 80s. Uh, Terratorn was the original um, T-Birds, but they have a T-Bird 1, which is a single place, and then the T-Bird 2. Um, we had quite a few of those around our area. We, group of us, I don't know, I bet we had almost five of them uh, flying around. Uh, the T-Bird 1 uh, is really sporty flying. We're talking ultralights, okay? Don't don't get me wrong. We're talking ultralights. But, like, I had this this yellow one, which, which is on um, some of the videos. There's a yellow one and a green one specifically. But the yellow one is a two-seater. 
And that had like, um, that was a big wingspan. I think it was almost 37 feet wide. And it's powered with a 582. And it hauled a ton. I could, you know, I think uh, empty weight on that was 1050 or 1100 pounds, was, or not empty weight, gross weight. So I, I was, I'm a pretty big guy. I weigh, you know, 250 pounds and I can throw another guy my size in there and we could go flying around. But that thing flew like a sow. You know, I don't, well, I may say sow, but you know, everybody knows pigs. That's, that's a large female, female pig is a sow and they don't move real fast. And not real quick. Um, right. So it, it it handled, it didn't handle the greatest. You know, when you're flying something like that, you lead with the rudder and follow with the ailerons. So once you learn how to fly it, it flies fine. But then you get into like a T-Bird 1, a single place, and it's like, wow, this is awesome. It's like, I don't know if it'd be compared to like driving a Buick versus a Corvette. You know, we're not quite as sporty as a Corvette in an ultralight, but that just, that's what the difference between the, those two flying, but they both, they both have great characteristics and they're very easy to fly. Right. Bill, Bill H has a question. Has he ever encountered a PPG during flight? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you bet all the time. And you know, um, um, it was fun with the ultralights, but even even with the with the Cessna now, um, there's groups of guys that are around, and and uh, I'll kind of you know kind of show myself, you know, and, and work in there, and and it's kind of hard to fly formation with them cause, just because of the speed differential, but I can slow down safely about 45 miles an hour, so you can do a really slow flyby. So biggest thing is not creating a large you know, a large wake for those guys to go through. Yeah. Um, I was down flying at the farm and um, all of a sudden I look over and I, I saw Joel just with his plane, just, he came right kind of in front of me a little bit and it was the coolest thing. And then of course I think, no, wait a minute. I was always taught about the wake and I waited for it and waited for it and there was no wake. I'm not saying there wasn't a wake. Obviously, I didn't go through it. But you were a little bit higher than I was, and um, I didn't feel anything. But it was the cool factor was like way up there. So I, yeah. I thought that was neat. Um, yeah. So, but that was that was a lot of fun. Um, so, tell us about your landing areas that you have. Um, now. Okay. So, you know, I started out, I started out with, a a short one. I, when I first started, when I bought this ultralight, I didn't have anywhere to land it. So I was in a scramble to try to figure out, um, where to keep it. I wasn't going to go up to the airport because I didn't have any, the original ultralight wasn't registered, no insurance, no nothing. Right. So I was keeping it off airport out in the middle of nowhere, you know, five miles away from town, <laughs> middle of nowhere. Right. But anyway, I was trying to find a place. So I, I, I had an old cow pasture, a small cow pasture, and I mowed a little runway in there and called it Shorty. And oh no, I didn't call it Shorty. I just stuck it in there. And I started flying off of that, off of that area there. And, uh, 
interesting thing is about putting in a, a, a place to land is it's like a bird feeder. All of a sudden, some pilot will be flying over and like, hey, we, I could probably land there. And one of my friends, Mike, he, had, he got into the ultralight before I did. And a guy had talked me into flying one of these. And he put an airstrip in. And he was like, man, Joel, you, would, you should see what just landed down here. A couple big bush planes with them great big squishy tires landed down here. Well, next thing you know, they Mike's like, oh, that, my friend up there just mowed a strip, mowed a place to land, you know. So those guys started showing up. And so then that was that that was about 500 feet, maybe 550 if you zigzag down the runway. And then um, I wanted somewhere a little bit larger. So then right across the creek, I put one in. Well, the guys, these guys at the bush plane started calling that one shorty because it was the shortest strip that they were landing on. So that just got a nickname of shorty. So then um, across the creek there, um, there was another one put in and that was just kind of right on the edge of a field. So that's kind of wide. It's kind of wide open and a lot easier to get in and out of. Um, that one's a full 900 feet and then a little bit wider. And then, you know, flying off the South end of it, it's just wide open all fields for another, another thousand feet. So that was, that's what's called big sister because it's next to shorty. So then um, let's see. So I started flying, I was flying the ultralights and kept doing that. Well, then when I bought my airplane, it just like, you just keep, keep experiencing the envelope, you know, and, and to do these short field landings in these airplanes takes a lot of practice. You can't just go out and start popping in these small strips. And so after that, I, I kept looking around my property, like where else can I put another place to land? And I found found one and I'm, I'm mowing it and it was down in some marsh ground and, and pretty, pretty sketchy area down there. And I got done, it was rough. And I'm driving out with the mower from mowing it the first time. And there's just like this green swampy area. And I look over and I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's a gator in there. And <laughs> so then, well then I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and get my airplane, see if I can land this. So I go in there and land it. And it was so rough. It was, oh man, like I'm surprised my dash didn't come loose. It was, it was a bad idea. Well, so that got called gator back just because it was about as rough as a gator's back. Cause I thought, well, there's a gator in the end, you know? So that runway, that runways, um, it got changed uh, a little bit, put in a little more diagonal and that on that opening video, um, the airplane, I'm kind of landing that through a bunch of fog. That yeah. one, that one was gate. That one's called Gatorback, uh, coming in and out of there, and um, so that was that was one. And then um, I put in I put in that uh, glider strip the guys have used down there. That one's twelve hundred feet by one hundred and fifty feet. And then there's another one I put in last fall called the Duck Blind, and that's just kind of a seasonal use one because it's really tight to a cornfield. Landing areas is 500 feet long but it's only maybe 20 feet wide so and then there's corn right beside it so if the corn's up the wing will be into the corn so it's a very small runway so it's used going to be used from you know end of end of october to i don't know sometime into june it'll be able to be used but till the corn gets too high so there's 
there's that. And then I have a dirt road I land on, one of our private dirt roads we can land on. So there's seven there's seven different places to land there on the farm. So it's it's kind of fun to be able to just bop around. We're pretty blessed with uh, some pretty cool areas around our around our immediate area. There's um, a lot of these grass strips. I can fly. I can within an hour's time. I think you can hit almost um, eighteen different eighteen different grass strips around the area. So kind of really? fun to do it. Oh, you're a special breed of person, I tell you, because my uh, my cousin, he owns a family farm up in Ohio, and he, there's 20 named runways. He, he loves to fly bush planes and stuff like that, and they really love to see, you know, push the limits and try to land in a, a ridiculous, you know, amount of space or uphill or whatever. But, man, he enjoys taking me around the farm and pointing out all the different runways or whatever. It's like, I could never freaking tell what's the runway, <laughs> right? But they're all named, and he knows everything about them. And yeah, it's just crazy how, in such a small space, you can really land an airplane if you know what you're doing, and you got the right equipment. Yeah, you have to you have to have the right equipment. Um, you know that that's number one, being able to have the airplane that can do it. Um, but you know, if just because you landed one strip doesn't mean it's going to be okay to land that next time. I mean, you can kind of get a read on the types of, of grass strips you're landing on. Uh, some some are more complicated than others, but you have to you have to pick and choose your runways every day, right? Because not every day the conditions are right. Like to go into Gatorback, the conditions have to be just right because you've got trees all the way around. And you can't afford to go in there and push the limits going in there. Everything's oh. got to be just right. You, you might even know my cousin in Ohio. You guys might be friends. I bet you are. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Yeah, his name's John. Okay. I will tell you that much. But, yeah, I'll check it out. I, I'm 99% sure you guys are friends. Yeah, it's hard to tell. There's, You know, the social media is just is, is just crazy. You know, because you start, you can get into conversations and become pretty good friends from somebody you'd never met, you know, and it's, it's, it's a, I'm on, you know, I'm on Instagram a lot. Um, it, and uh, I, I, I like Instagram because you don't get all the, the reposts. I kind of get tired of all the reposts that you kind of see on Facebook or whatever. But it's just interesting because someone will see your post and comment comment or you know you can create a, a chat back and forth and it's just been it's just been kind of crazy the people that you'll meet and then and then you go to Oshkosh right or EAA and Air Venture and all of a sudden someone will be like hey I'm I'm Steve Jones I'm like okay no like wheelhouse number one or whatever I'm like oh yeah oh, I know you right <laughs> you know so that, that, that's the funny thing I don't really know people's names just tell me what your handle on Instagram is but um no it the getting back to the, the grass strips you know it, it's it's all private property and so you know you kind of have to create a a um relationship with the landowners too because you're not just allowed to go in land on people's private property, you know, so it takes, it takes a little bit. Um, people aren't, people aren't really apt to give you permission right away. Right. You know, and 
So it takes it takes a little bit. The nice thing is people that are putting in grass strips are are into aviation normally. Just a uh, normal guy's not going to put a grass strip out there and just hope nobody lands at it. But nevertheless, it is private property and everybody's got to abide by those rules. So, um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting deal. Yeah, so um, let's see. How I met Joel was a lot of our Madison club would come up and we would fly on Joel's property. And Joel is very welcoming, you know, and I've, I've, I, I said this to during the or before the show started, you know, Jade and I showed up, we have to drive three hours South just to get to the property. We showed up and we kind of tucked our way back into the woods a little bit with the fifth wheel. And this was right on the runway, but uh, we were kind of off the beaten path and Joel drove by a couple of times that he's always riding around on the scooter with his two girls. And, uh, so then, you know, he stopped one time and, and introduced himself and I introduced, you know, myself and Jade and, um, you know, we flew off of these, run some of these runways that he's talking about. And well, the next time we go down, which was probably two weeks later, and I, I, let, let me go back. It, it was the best place to camp because, I mean, it was quiet. It was away from people and we could step out the door and go fly. It, perfect. So then like two weeks later, you know, we decided to go down there and um, I think we were still doing training and all of a sudden we pulled up to where we parked before and now it's all nicely mowed um, and even tucked back further. And there was a fire ring that he left there for us. And I mean, how more welcoming can somebody be? Oh, well, wait, hold on. You're from Wisconsin. I understand it. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, right? Um, yeah, we're all so, like that up here. Right. So, um, you know, really great place. Well, then, you know, there was a, there was quite a few of us. There would be times that we would look up and there was eight, ten of us up in the air, you know, all flying around. And um, Joel had yeah. to make a decision to not have us there. And it's it's not a bad decision. And Joel, I want you to talk about why and kind of, you know, make people understand what the preservation of our LZs are, but these are reasons that we could lose them, um, you know, for your protecting yourself. So if you could kind of go into that just a little bit. Sure. Yeah, it was, I, I, don't, I don't know how long, I don't know how long you guys had access out here. It was, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, the, the guys started showing up, uh, towing down there and went down and introduced myself. I'm like, well, I got a grass strip up here. You guys could try. And, it, and it, uh, it just kind of blossomed from there. Um, but there was some, so I created, I created a, um, a landing strip a little bit better. And that was what we called the glider strip. And that, that piece was 1200 feet long by 150 feet wide. And, um, we were using it, but ultimately what the problem, I, you know, the sport, the sports growing so much. 
from what I can see. And the Madison Club and the the, the guys that are kind of running it, it's just it's just booming. And we just started getting so many people out there um, flying so much. I I started I started fielding a, a few complaints, and we we're talking about um, at the beginning of the show. There there wasn't there wasn't really any incident incidents where you know people were doing something wrong. The guys weren't doing anything wrong. But I mentioned to the guy when we were flying ultralights, sometimes we'd be flying around and not everybody likes to see you. Like you want, you think you're pretty cool, right? You're, I'm flying around. You're not, you're a peasant, but you know, <laughs> you, you know, not everybody, not everybody's on that same page. And that's ultimately, you know, there's, there's haters everywhere and all it takes is one or two that really throws a wrench into it. And I started feeling a couple, uh, I just, two complaints and they weren't anything, right? They weren't, they weren't directed at anybody. They were just like, you know, didn't like that. Those guys were having fun and they weren't. And so where the real problem came in is that piece of property that I had that we were, that they were based off of is zoned agriculture. And that, and that ground is, is in government programs and we have specific rules that we've got to follow. And that's where it was, it obviously wasn't zoned for anything other than growing crops. And um, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not going to switch the zoning to something else. So this particular property was, um, um, it was drained wetlands. So in the early 50s, um, there was this section of ground that was wetlands back then, and they drained them and started farming them. Well, there's been a few um, Clean Water Acts put in place over the years. And in 1984, there was a Clean Water Act that was put in where there was no, it was no longer possible to drain a wetland for farming use. So under this... Um, if this gets zoned anything else, it's going to go back to wetlands. And I don't want to, we got to, it's still part of our farm and we use it and it's great farm ground, but I don't want to lose that back to wetlands because we are farming it. So it was, it was coming down to zoning issues and I didn't have any regulatory. I didn't have the County or the township or anything like that. Nobody came in yet to shut it down or, or give me a big problem. So that's why I just had to kind of shut it down. And, uh, but it was, it just crazy. They they had an event, they had an event this fall and, and it, it, it was awesome because there was, man, Eric, I don't know how many people showed up, but it was a huge deal for that little area. Camper yeah. line on both sides of that. And it was, it was uh, quite an event and, and I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it and be able to do it like that. But, um, you know, it comes back to, it comes back to uh, sole ownership of the property and liability issues um, pertaining to that. And um, I'm not, I'm not willing to risk basically my whole farm for, for that, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think, I think everybody that knows you and knows 
you know, what is going on and what happened, I think everybody understands. Yeah. You know, you have to protect yourself first. This, it, it was not easy. I, I stewed on it way a long time because I invited you guys in, you know, this wasn't, this, this is, I absolutely loved it. It made my day, you know, and then people coming down and spending the whole weekend here, Eric showed up, Jade, man, these people are awesome. There are a couple other people are, are, are uh, weekend campers there. It was, it was, I loved it, you know, and, and then I have to tell them they can't show up anymore. No, that wasn't, that wasn't cool or fun, but you know, I called up, called up the guy that heads everything up and talked it over with him. Of course he was, he was bummed, but man, he took it like none other, you know, and thank me for, you know, the opportunity they had. And then, and then, you know, we had a couple conversations just trying to clarify why. And I mean, then the next day, you know, word went out to the area flyers and, yeah. and these guys just reached out and just thanked me. I, I couldn't, uh, I, it, you couldn't meet a better group of people. I honestly, you, you can't meet a better group of people because everybody was, uh, about, I don't know, really yeah. just reached out and thanked me. Right. You know, and that, that's what was just kind of crazy about it. And, uh, makes me pretty stoked that there's people like that left in the world. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So now have you ever been or taken a tandem with, you know, our instructors, have you ever been in a PPG? I'm too fat. No. <laughs> I have no. not. If, if Will can do it, you can do it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have never, I've never been a, uh, in a PPG at all. No. Now, is there, do you have any interest in that or? Well, the problem is when I do something, I want to do it, you know, <laughs> Um, the guy said, here, hey, ride, ride this motorcycle. I ended up buying a motorcycle. Right. The guy's like, hey, we should go racing. So then we went racing, you know, and then, all, you know, all of a sudden, you know, these bad, bad ideas, hey, fly this ultralight, you know, and, and, you know, these are lifelong loves. Aviation's a lifelong love. And um, I think if I wasn't, I would be flying something, you know, I'm always going to be flying something as long as I'm able to. Um, the... The PPG, I think, what would be, uh, which would be crazy awesome, would be to fly to fly, you know, and and have have something and and stick it in the back of the airplane and fly out west to Utah and hit up some of these backcountry strips that are accessible by airplane only, and then fly around those areas up canyons and everything like that. That's what ultimately would uh, intrigue me to do it fly anywhere, right? You go up north and fly along Lake Superior, Lake Michigan, these different different places like that. That's what really would kind of get me really super pumped. Now, if you, you know, because we all know that flying relieves stress. So could you write that off as a business <laughs> expense? You know, I not you know everybody wants me to write it off, but I, I own the airplane. Joel Littenbach owns that airplane, not my farm, and I just haven't haven't crossed that line where the business owns that. Um, it's just a personal deal, so no, it's not. But it does clear the head. I will say that after a, a long day or whatever of uh, 
uh, fighting, fighting tooth and nail or whatever. It's just nice to go out and fly around and just see everything. It's just crazy awesome. So what do you think about people that are flying paramotors now and or ultralights or, you know, just paragliders? Uh, what do you do you think that getting a private pilot's license is something that they should look into or is it something that they should be you should you stick with the paramotors you know i mean what do you think as far as the the fixed wing flying is compared to what we do um would you advise somebody to try out the fixed wing if they haven't flown yet yeah i think everybody should try it but i'm not going to go out and say you should do this or do that you know i i try to you know i try to do anything i can to encourage people into aviation I don't care what it is, but when you get up in the air, they're like, I, I have a, quite a bit of experience flying ultralights. And when you, when you start flying down a river, you smell up, you just smell that evening dew coming in or, or hay fields that are freshly cut. There's no other feeling than that. And I guess I would, I would push the airliner guys to go the other way. You know, try this, try the, try this backpack or whatever. I, I come, I, I haven't done it, but I know what an ultralight is, right? You know, and and experience flying from that versus you know these big, uh, large jets or whatever. I I would do that quicker than I would say you should try fixed wing, because yeah. I think I think everybody should. I mean, if you like aviation, but some people some people don't want to go that route. Right. You know, and I'm not I'm just happy they're getting into aviation one way or the other. But that's the crazy thing about aviation. It's it's the spectrum is so wide. You know, there's a lot of people that aren't going to want to take a 172 and try to land it in 600 feet. You know, but that's what all that's all I want to do all day long is just see if we can land it there. But other people, why would you do that? or whatever and it's just well this is what i want you know well Eric, you're like well what's your longest what's your longest trek and it's like oh i don't know 200 miles right. <laughs> you know i don't go anywhere you know that that, that was my longest trip last year I, last year i logged 205 hours in the airplane and i didn't go anywhere you know <laughs> it's just uh it is what it is but right. you know i had i i logged i logged just a little over 1200 landings last year so it's just a lot of lot of takeoffs and landings and that's all it is so um right. but back to your aunt back to the question um if someone should get into parallel paramotors become a private pilot no yeah, i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that i think everybody should become a pilot just because it's really cool right. <laughs> but but you know it's a wide spectrum of people not everybody's interested in the same same things or t- same types of flying but to experience it People need to experience it. Though, that's for sure. Hey, Will, you came from fixed wing. Yes, I did. So, what do you? What are the pros, cons, differences? The well, I mean, you know, it, in the end, it's it is flying. Period. It's flying. But what I found is, uh, and the reason I got into flying airplanes to begin with is because I wanted that feeling of flight. Um, I can say 
from strictly the feeling of flight, nothing compares to a paramotor other than, you know, maybe free flight, which I've never done. So I can imagine that'd be awesome. Um, they're, they're both excellent in their own ways. And you really can't, you know, say one's better than the other. And I can tell you on a 20 degree day, I'd rather be in a Cessna 172 (laughs) with some heat, you know, but, uh, no, I mean, I love flying airplanes and I love flying paramotors right now. I'm on the paramotor kick, you know, and, uh, I wouldn't trade my experience for the world. Mark George said something in the chat that really rings true. And it's, it's that, when you're flying, you're in that moment, and that's all you're thinking about. I mean, you're just basically there, you know. And I, you know, even more so with paramotors. I mean, because you're out there in nature, you, you and nature are one. But uh, yeah, man, I I I would not trade my my GA experience or my uh, paramotor experience. Love them both. Nice. Shane, you got any questions? I wouldn't trade my Delta flights for um, anything other than my PPG flights. Just say that. <laughs> Your coach, coach flights. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hey, I, I I do have a question. You guys ever smelt um, mothballs before? Yeah. I don't. How, oh, small. You said small. How do you get those tiny little legs apart? Ah, but I'm pumped. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. Uh, <laughs> y'all, I'm known as the idiot. Just say okay. <laughs> <laughs> we picked that up. You didn't have to tell us that. Actually, <laughs> on the show, and I picked that up right away. Actually. <laughs> um. So, you know, you did say that it's worth a try. So does that mean you're going to try it? Maybe at some point. I don't know. I mean, um, like I'm afraid of heights big time. And it took me a long time to get over that in ultralight. And I'd say that'd be one of my first struggles is kind of hanging underneath that canopy. Just don't look down. Just don't look down. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's been a it's been a few years since I've been in an ultralight too, so I don't know how that. I don't know. Yeah. I want. I I just don't know. I don't know. I'm not gonna pursue it right away too hard. I guess would be the easiest way. Right. So I do have a question on your sprinkler systems that cir- go in a circle, and is that clean water? Yes. Okay. Yep. Is there water added to it? Well, what do you do when you see a sprinkler spraying up water and you're in a paramotor in the air? You fly through it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I was hoping it was going to be one of those, you know, scummy pond, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> no. No, no it just I, I will tell you, don't go directly through it because sometimes that engine sputters. Not that I know, but um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, if it gets too much water in there, it may uh, start acting up a little bit on you. At least right. mine did. But, yeah, no, we're good clean water there. Well, I was just wondering yeah. if it got pumped from those channels that are over in the other section. 
Right. No, everything is everything is well water. Okay. My dog, <laughs> my white dog fell in one of those channels one time. It wasn't white anymore, was it? It was not. It was green. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was I funny. can see I can see you, Eric, trying to refill your water bottle as you're flying through. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit more. <laughs> no, all I hit was the mist. So the um yeah, because you got beautiful property there. You take off and you and you instantly there's a little bit of woods and then you can see the Wisconsin River and you can, you know, kind of fly up the Wisconsin River a little ways. But uh, no, it's it is beautiful there. Yeah, we live in the Midwest. We live in a really great spot because you get airborne there and you go down river and we've got quite a bit of, you know, sandstone uh small cliffs i don't know what those hills are three four hundred feet you know something like that not not mountains by any means but you know it's not all flat ground it's a pretty cool area we live in right oh yeah pretty blessed at that yeah yeah well it was really good talking with you um is there any other questions guys in the chat no other than uh no i didn't see any in the chat uh, other than, are you thinking about going to a paramotor flying sometime, checking it out? I, you know, I think I, I would like to see some of that. Um, you know, I, you guys, uh, was that last week you kind of reviewed all the fly-ins? Or was that two yeah. weeks ago? Yeah. But that was really cool. Anybody that's, you know, other new on here, go in there and, and watch that because it's pretty cool seeing you guys kind of did a review of all the, you know, the those fly-ins that are going on and, yeah, it gets kind of exciting to see some of those. And what was that? What was the was the one in Georgia, the bad apples or something like that? Yeah, yeah, just uh, crazy. What I what was interesting is when you're talking about oh, um, you know, somebody was there and it's at an airport or whatever. It's like, well, the departure end is you know covered with trees. You got to out here and out there. You know, it just, that was kind of what the intriguing part is, right? Because you just always look for that that power out issue and, and know what to deal to do in those situations. So, yeah. Or if your throttle cable comes loose, you can just land in that field. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe you and uh, your wife and your daughters can pack up the plane and head down to Georgia. Right. Go to the fly-in. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure the girls will be all about it, but. My wife is happy for about a half hour flight and that's about it. She that's about all she wants to go, but so she would get to Madison? She would get to Madison, yeah. We might be able to get, you know, Rockford area or something like that. But yeah. and the girls, they just my older one, she just wants to go to talk to people. <laughs> right. She really wants to go about twenty minutes into it and they're like, Are we gonna talk to anybody? <laughs> so oh, you can talk to all the people you want. Right. Yeah. That's the same with my daughter. She will go as long as there's people to talk to. Right. She wants to be entertained while we're there. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. There's a YouTube channel in the chat. Yes. Thank you, Will. So, Joel, where is, what social media are you on? So people can um, watch your exciting, because you do actually have a lot of cool videos out there. Yeah. And, um, they're, for the most part, it's, it's, um, I've got a lot of older videos on YouTube and you can find me at Joel Wittenbach, find the spelling somewhere there. 
And, uh, and then Instagram, same way Joel Wittenbach on Instagram. Those are my two, two platforms. I've been putting more stuff up recently on YouTube. Um, but everything, everything's been for the most part been going up on Instagram. So like, uh, my Instagram's pretty much all aviation. There's some farming stuff in there. And I've been recently posting a lot more, uh, aviation stuff related on YouTube just kind of, it, it's kind of double posting, right? I post at one spot, same content on the YouTube channel because there is some right. different, you're reaching right. um, some different crowds there. Uh, so those both search my name, those places, of course, I'm on, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, and I'll post some stuff there. Probably, most of it will go on Instagram and then YouTube and then probably Facebook. But the, the Instagram account and Facebook's links. So a lot of that stuff will go, a lot of the reels, a lot of the reels will get music put to the reels, and so those won't transfer from platform to platform just for copyright issues. So if I I got to go over there and recreate them um, on the Facebook side. So, but if it's just a standard post with um, original audio, it'll just go over to the Facebook side. But yeah, it's kind of been fun. But and then like on the YouTube stuff, there is some older farming videos. I do a bunch of mechanic work, so. Um, they're linked with the farm. And uh, so some of those videos are on the, on the YouTube side. So I know, but you make it so interesting though. I mean, cause every <laughs> time you post a video, we're watching it. I don't care if it's farming, flying, or you, you actually do a really good job and okay. you're doing the commentary on it. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just, uh, I started it, right. I started it cause people are like, Joel, what are you, what are you doing now? What, what are you doing on the farm now? And I'm like, well, I'm doing this, doing this. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense to them. Right. You know? So it's, a, I just started posting early on and then it's, it's kind of fun just creating the videos and, and uh, you know, the technology, I, all those, all those YouTube videos, later ones, it's just done on, on iMovie with my phone. Right. You can sit down and, put a whole bunch of clips together. That's the biggest thing is creating clips, right? And then put them together. And that's what the fun part is. And then, you know, just just anything, just trying to get video clips because you never know what you're going to get, right? right? You can't, like if you go flying and say, oh, let's go out and shoot some video or get some pictures, doesn't happen, right? And I mean, it's just like, you just kind of take pictures and take videos and then you get back home and start looking through and it's like, whoa, that's pretty right. sweet, you know, or whatever. And, and you just never know what you're going to capture. I remember flying ultralight. I was west of here flying down the river. I turn around, I'm coming home, just kind of bebopping along. And I'm like, I turned around just to, just to look, and it was the craziest sunset ever, right? Like, you're flying one direction. Do a circle just to see what the world looks like because it's some crazy-looking stuff out there. And and that's just what – that's what I fly for. But right. – it's 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 been fun posting on the social media there. So yeah, oh, yeah, because you what you shortened a semi. Yep. So I mean, there's all types of videos out there. You should yeah. really go on there and. and yeah, look it's at. just if you're interested in anything mechanics, there's a wide range because I you know I get my hands into a bunch of different things and and uh, tackle different projects and try to learn from it. And I'm not a professional mechanic by any means, but I've taken a lot of stuff apart. Normally, I don't get it back together, but, you know, I don't right. show you that part on the videos. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it's, it's, been, it's been fun, and I'm going to continue to do that as I have time. But it does, it does take time. Part of it 
it takes time to shoot the video, right? You know, oh, yeah. and, and whether you get cameras set up or whatever, and and uh, you know, it's 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 an interesting deal. So, but right. it's a fun platform, and then just there again, meeting people that you would never you'd never meet in different countries. You know, it, this the Instagram reaches. There's so many. There's so much um, international activity on there. It's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Well, it was definitely a pleasure having you on here, you know, and uh, as, as I said, you know, a lot of us all understand that we lost an LZ, but we gained a friend, you bet, you know, I mean, it's, which is more important. So, yeah, yeah. But, oh, um, I, you guys are, are number one there, man. Just thank you. you guys too. And the understanding of it makes it, makes it easier. Yeah. I think we all do. So. All right, Shane. What? Got anything? Not really. Uh, I actually enjoyed this. Um, I've never thought about ever flying a plane or whatever, but one day, who knows? All right. Where can we find you on social media? We can find me on YouTube at Never Trust the Skinny Chef Shane or uh, Instagram at ppgshane.com. Awesome. And Will, where can we find you? You can find me on YouTube under Will Fly or willflyppg.com. Good deal. So on March 1st, I do believe, is it March 1st or March 8th, Shane? March 1st. March 1st. Um, we're going to have the people that are putting on the fly-in down in Okeechobee, Florida. Um, talking about the fly-in and what to expect. Um, so that's already set up. So make sure you join for that. Next week, uh, we don't know what you're going to do yet. So we will figure that one out as it comes. Um, and anybody wants to join in in the after show, do you have time, Joel, to stick around if anybody had questions? Sure, you bet. Okay. If anybody wants to come into the after show, I have posted the link in there. And I put it in there again. Um, but uh, you will see us next Tuesday at 7 o'clock right here on ppglear.com. And uh, we will see you guys on the flip side. Take care. Nice. See you later. Yeah.